Good evening. It's 7 o'clock. Thank you for coming to our meeting. Would you join us in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Part one of our meeting tonight is our annual budget hearing, and this is an opportunity for uh, the public to comment on the budget. Uh, we will take action uh, later in this meeting in part two, but it has been published and it is available, and so I would ask uh, if there's anyone in the audience that would like to comment on the budget to please come to the podium. Uh, seeing no one come to the podium, I will close part one of the meeting and we will go to part two, which is our regular meeting. And item D1 is the report by the interim superintendent, Dr. Southwick. Yes, uh, thank you. I want to uh, mention that uh, Terry Wintering is not with us tonight. Um, so we have a, a backup plan, and I want to thank all those people that have supported us to make sure that we can have a, a board meeting without Terry. We all miss her, but um, I asked her if she was 100%, and she said no, so I told her to stay home. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to get through this, and, and I think we'll have everything covered in terms of reports and videos and all the things that we need. But thanks to all those people that have provided that support to me. I want to first start that we have started school now in the Shawnee Mission School District, and we're ex excited about all the things that we've seen. I want to thank all of our staff and the board members that have been out through buildings and have welcomed teachers back and students. And have seen the exciting faces that we have and the great things that are starting to happen in the Shawnee Mission School District. Again, um, our role is to be out in those buildings and support teachers and administrators and students and parents. And we're on a mission to do that this year. Uh, specifically, we have opened uh, Benninghoven. And uh, the first picture actually was the first day as they walked into the building and we were there to greet them. And uh, we're happy that we have completed that that particular building is a part of uh, the bond issue that was passed in 15. I would like to let the board know and anybody in the audience that would like to attend, uh, the ceremony for dedication will be September the 18th at 5.30 and we'll have a little bit of a, a dedication. I'm sure we'll have some students that will be there to perform and uh, we'll be able to celebrate that new school as we bring it online. Also right here in the Center for Academic Achievement, uh, we now are home for a, to approximately 300 students. Uh, what a great thing for us to be able to walk across the hallway and visit with our staff members and see our students. And um, we uh, were able to put together some orientation for those. Dr. Ziegler has done an awesome job. Uh, we, have a, we have a building full of administrators, but Dr. <coughs> Ziegler has agreed to kind of take the lead and support those teachers and those students. So. We are off to a great start. Um, it was a part of the vision of this building for it to be an academic center for students and, 
and we've reached that, um, that milestone here. So great things to come. In addition to that, the, the bistro has opened. Um, it's pretty nice in the morning to be able to go down and from the bistro buy a cup of coffee or get a roll. Um, it's not on my diet, um, uh, but um, it is very great. It's open from 7 to noon, for it, uh, and our full-service restaurant will start on September 13th. So we want, uh, it'll, it's open table, so we want to make sure that we get lots of people there to, um, to be able to experience uh, what we are able to do with our students as we prepare them for the world of work. We, uh, the Bistro was instrumental in uh, kicking off our first event, uh, which we did Northeast Johnson County, and we were able that uh, day to have about 100 people, we think, in the Northeast Johnson County Chamber. Uh, I had an opportunity to speak, talk a little bit about the building and welcome people, but more importantly than that, an opportunity for our staff to speak and our students to be there and to be able to show them off. Uh, in addition to that day, we uh, received some coverage from our local media that were here, and we've estimated from some analytics that we can perform that about 700,000 of people across the metro area were able to look at that program and, and to see the great things that are happening for students in the Shawnee Mission School District, so very proud of that. Um, in addition, and I uh, would be remiss if, if I didn't mention this, we uh, were able to play host to 200 plus of our staff members to do orientation for them where we, we met in this room, we welcomed them, but then we broke into groups all across this building um, and did in-service and orientation specifically to them, never which we would have been able to do in the old building. So once again, the building continues to to operate the way we wanted to. And I think I mentioned before, but I mentioned again, we had all of our secretaries in the building and out in the main forum and um, Main Street offered a breakfast for us for that day and where we welcomed them back. And then they also had in-service too. So being able to utilize this facility to provide that kind of ongoing training um, is, uh, is a real plus that we have. There was an event that happened this week. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of hoopla, and it almost didn't happen. Um, but I think we were blessed here in the Shawnee Mission School District that just as the event started, we were able to see that eclipse, and just as it was about to be over, the clouds came and everybody went back to work. Uh, so uh, we felt very good about it. I know there was some, uh, some discussion about that potentially we could have closed school um, I just wanted to be up front. Our discussion was we were responsible for over 27,000 of our students. And we think this is a great uh, situation for our students to learn, but also to be supervised. Um, our concern, quite honestly, if, if those students uh, were not here, we're not sure that we could ensure safety. Um, we did allow parents to be able to to pull their children out as long as they notified us if they wanted to go and see the viewing and, and do that as a family. We allowed that opportunity. But uh, all in all, we had a great day. And I've got to, I've got to thank Dr. Ziegler for putting information together from NASA around what we should look for for glasses, um, all the safety information that came, an opportunity to live stream if the sun and the moon hadn't paired up together uh, in the open and behind the clouds we were we're ready to be able to live stream that event um, on a NASA website. So 
All in all, it was a big event. They're, they still talk about it. They're, these kids are going to be talking about this for a long time. But I think it was a, a successful day for our kids in the Shawnee Mission School District. Also, a thanks to our principals and our staff. Um, we didn't do this top down and tell them exactly what they had to do and what time they had to do it. But we asked them to go back and look at their curriculum and look at what activities could be meaningful. And our staff just did, I think, a, a, a bang-up job of working with administrators to make sure that those, um, those kids were safe and it was a meaningful activity for that day. So We have a, a couple of honors to talk about. We have a couple of perfect ACT scores, uh, just to remind uh, the board. We have two. Less than one-tenth of one percent of the students who take the ACT earn a perfect score. Madison Birch, senior at Shawnee Mission South, earned a perfect score. And Jackson Brogan, Shawnee Mission Northwest, earned a perfect score. Um, it'll be great to see what those students do throughout this year and as they move forward. We're very proud of, of those students as they've reached that pinnacle on this particular assessment that's very important. In addition to that, um, we have a couple of awards from the National PTA. Indian Hills and Blender were named National PTA Schools of Excellence. Uh, this comes from the National PTA headquarters. It recognizes nationwide leaders in developing strong family partnerships. The proud part of this is that only two schools in the state of Kansas received this award, and both of those came this year from the Shawnee Mission School District. So kudos to the PTA and those buildings that have allowed that to happen. Um, and uh, we need to have more than two. Uh, and we're committed to, to work for that. Last thing with respect to research shows when families get involved in schools, the students achieve higher. So we, uh, we thank all of our PTAs um, for the work that they do. As a matter of fact, tomorrow morning we have a SMAC PTA breakfast. So I think some of you will attend. We'll be there, um, and our PTA delegations will be there with their administrators. So we look forward to that breakfast in the morning. Uh, Nancy Kokenauer, the district's food service department, was honored by the Kansas State Department of Education, uh, Child Nutrition and Wellness, Kansas CAN 2016-17 Best Practice Award. Recognizes practice around child's nutri children's nutrition and wellness. She also was commended for her work to help others implement best practices by USDA. Uh, she, f she facilitates discussions at the USDA National Conference about reducing sodium in our meals. Uh, this job is today incredibly complex in terms of, of what kind of meal we serve and how we serve it to our children. Nancy does a great job and all of her staff. Um, we've spent time um, in these first few weeks of school getting around to not only our teachers and staff and paras and principals, but also dropping by our kitchens to let our, our cooks know how important they are in the process. And uh, Nancy and those, those staff do an awesome job for our kids every day. We've got two district staff that were named top connectors. Uh, there's a KC Connector Project that recognizes people who further the education of our young people and develop a supportive community for entrepreneurism and new business. Um, the project works to advance and accelerate educational achievement and the entrepreneurial process two important hallmarks in our greater Kansas City area. So Christy Ziegler, the Assistant Superintendent for Innovation and Performance, was, was named by this group, and Show Druin, our principal at Marion Park. So great honors to them as they reach out 
we always have conversation about how school systems can reinvent themselves and how we can really connect with um, business to provide an educational opportunity for kids that allow them to fit in uh, to be mean, meaningful citizens. And this is an important group in Kansas City, and I thank Christy and Show for their work. Last Saturday, we had a public service career expo. There's our fire truck that uh, we purchased as a part of our Blue Eagle program. This was the first annual uh, expo held. It showcased a variety of public service careers, law enforcement, firefighting, EMT, FBI, U.S. Marshals, and military careers, and also Kansas game wardens. So again, it was an opportunity to provide that link so that um, we have um, people in our community and our students that can learn more about those individual careers and decide whether that's what they want to explore or not. We have coming up in October, on October 10th, um, our Shawnee Mission Breakfast. We hope if you, um, the invitations will be going out rather quickly, but we hope that we'll see everybody there. Uh, it's a very important event that will be held at the Overland Park Convention Center. I can't speak much for the Master of Ceremonies this year, but um, he's going to do his best, I promise. So please reserve your table and support this effort. It's extremely important as the uh, Shawnee Mission Education Foundation links with the schools uh, to do great things for kids and families. Just a few construction updates. That is Brookwood Elementary, um, or what it was in the process as we tore it down. So we're very close, I hear. We've taken the bids on the building. Uh, we are very close to having a permit from Leewood, we believe, which will allow us to start this work so that we can um, be in a position to move students into that building sometime next year. So the old Brookwood went down. Um, it's uh, the construction we hope will start very quickly. Lenexa Hills is under construction. Uh, if you've been out in that area lately, you would see precast concrete walls and elevator towers, a lot of site work that's being done. And uh, that building at this point in time is on schedule. The other exciting thing that we should be able to bring back to you next month is the drawings are on the street right now for us to bid the aquatic center that will be out in Alexa City Square. And we um, will take those bids, Bob, the 12th or the 13th of September, I think, the 12th. And we will vet those bids and bring that information back to you for approval, um, working on the budget, approval, so that um, we can approve that and start that work. Long time coming. I want to talk just a minute about Indian Creek, because I think some amazing things happened there as we moved the Brookwood students out of Brookwood into Indian <coughs> Creek. It, it was a lot of work to... to to bring that building back to life as a school and, and to not give credit to our staff, J.E. Dunn, and everybody that made that move possible uh, would not be right. So I want to thank those people. But I also want to take the time tonight to talk about a true community partnership that we had with Overland Park. And I have to thank the mayor and Bill Ebel and his staff, everybody in the traffic department who sat um, and worked on an issue that we had and very quickly, we're able to mobilize to make sure that families felt comfortable and that students were safe. 
So that was a collaborative effort around the first day of school where we had John Douglas down there and Deb Zeeler who represents the South area. And we had uh, Councilman Lyons that were there and we had Bill Ebel's staff. And we were, they were talking to parents that were a little bit at unease at that point in time. Um, but the end result was is working together to come up with a solution to make sure that we kept kids safe. I was in the building on Friday and had a chance to talk to parents, had a chance to talk to the principal and, and the office staff. And uh, we believe at this point in time we're going to continue to modify, but we think we have a very safe situation. If we had not had this collaboration and the city would not have been willing to act as quickly as they did, um, we could have potentially been in not a good situation for our students. So I want to applaud not only John and Deb and all of our staff, but very much so the leadership of Overland Park for the action that they took and timely for the Shawnee Mission School District. So I plan to write a letter uh, to the mayor and Mr. Ebel to echo that. But, uh, did want to bring that forward tonight. And last on construction, um, we've got a few pictures of uh, Crestview, but what we're very excited about is the new Crestview ball field that was put together um, in coordination with community members, support from Royals, Charities, and Price Chopper. And we were able to dedicate that field, open it up, and fortunate enough to uh, the kids were very excited when Slugger showed up to help us with that. So it's just another piece of an amenity to a great vision for Crestview Elementary School. Now we want to talk about something that, that uh, we have had discussion about for the last several months, and that was that it's time that we begin to identify those, those staff members that we have in the district that every day uh, go above and beyond what expectation would be. So I first had this conversation uh, with Sarah and kind of pitched the idea, and she said, that sounds good, when can we do that? So this is the first award. But we've created an award for the district that we will bring to you um, every month. Uh, it's not limited to one, and they do come from nominations from buildings and from the different divisions. But We've created the Shawnee Mission All Means All Star Award. And um, tonight is the first award. And I'm very proud to ask Tyler Club to come forward. And uh, he's going to introduce our first award winner. And a little bit about the board. We do this early enough so that we have an opportunity to notify the person that's getting the award. So if they have significant people in their life that they would like to bring, or not, um, <laughs> that they have an opportunity. And also we have a little bit of information that our communications department has put together too to highlight this. And uh, after we, we have the introduction and see the video, then Dr. Denny, I think you have an award to present. I do. Oh. I do. Hey, Brett Brindur. This is our first All Means All Star Award. Congratulations. Thank you. Because of him putting his heart and soul 
into the projects that he oversees, our student population is a better place. She's always exhibited, you know, a high level of professionalism and, and a real commitment to the district. I think he has a, his kids went to school uh, through the district and I think uh, his pride reflects both as a parent and somebody who works for, for Shawnee Mission. And, and personally, I think Shawnee Mission should be very happy to have Brett. Putting Brett up for the uh, All Means All-Star Award, it's, uh, it was easy. Um, how he cares about his work in the district is shown every day. He is the ground general maintenance foreman, so most anything outside. Everybody thinks that when you think about O&M or buildings and grounds, they don't realize the direct impact they do have on our student population. Shawnee Mission is very lucky to have Brett because he stands for a lot of what Shawnee Mission wants, and that's that positive relationship we want to have. Brett does a great job of working with all of the entities, all the stakeholders, assuring that these landscapes are manageable, that they are learning environments, that they're safe environments. He's just a great person to work with. He's pays attention to details and really takes pride in everything that he does. Top-notch guy uh, that anything we need or he, you know, he's there to help out with. He, he's, he's a good employee and uh, uh, I wouldn't trade him. present you with the very first All Means All-Star Award, and I look forward to presenting more to others, but you're the example. You're, you've set the bar pretty high. Well, thank you. So, congratulations. Thank you. He'll Photoshop me out there. <laughs> That's your report, Dr. Southwick? That concludes my report, and we're ready for some, a couple of special presentations. All righty. So um, we, have, we have tried over the last couple of months, um, when we look at some expenditures to be able, that you will be asked to approve later on the budget, uh, to ask for some presentation just for clarification about what the purpose would be. And so tonight we have... Um, one that explains um, a purchase that you'll be making or being asked to approve, and another one, one that you actually made last year. So I'd like to start off um, with Dr. Hubbard tonight, and she's going to give us a little update on some of the work that we're doing with PLCs across the district. I think we have some staff here tonight. That we do. While the presentation says that Dr. Hubbard's making this presentation, I thought it was much more important to hear from our rock stars in the trenches. So I've asked some of them to join us tonight to just talk about, um, this happens to be a team that um, went to some PLC training this summer and have come back and really implemented that at the start of the school year. So they're going to talk about their experiences both 
at the conference as well as their experiences since they've been back and what that has meant to Blue Jacket Flint and Rising Star. And um, most importantly, sort of the structures that we have in place and how that supports their learning as adult learners and then how that translates into student learning. So I'm going to turn it over to Teddy Pinlin, who is now the principal at Blue Jacket Flint and her team to um, get us started. Thank you for having us tonight. I brought along our all all means all stars with us tonight too. But um, I first of all just want to start out by introducing everybody here with us because they sure were a great team to take with us to St. Louis for the Professional Learning Community Conference. Um, I'm Teddy Penlin, the principal of Blue Jacket Flint. This is Michelle Brown, our instructional coach. Lori Walters, Linda James, and Jennifer Wolf, who are on the fourth grade team that was lucky to go with us or fortunate enough to be with us. And then Rob Shackelford from Rising Star. Sorry I didn't get the Rising Star uh, mascot up That's on okay. the <laughs> screen for you. But he's the innovation specialist for Rising Star. Um, when I had agreed to go to this, I was so thrilled because I got to go with a team that I had never even met before. So while we were bonding, we also got to talk a lot about what Blue Jacket Flint was all about, and then how can we refine it and make it into an intentional professional learning community. So, is, um, let's see here. So anyway, thank you for sending us to the conference. What I learned was PLC isn't just a buzzword. It is an um, intentional way of ensuring that we help all students grow academically and socially and our staff as well. So all means all when it comes to PLCs in our community. Um, what it is is it's intentional thinking on every PLC you have, whether it be your um, student improvement team, whether it be your grade levels, whether it be your data reviews, whether it be your leadership team. But every time you think about these four questions, what is it that we want students to learn? How will we know they have learned it? How will we re respond to them when they don't learn it? And how will we respond to them when they already know it? So it's being very intentional about your thinking each time you meet about an important um, concept with education. So I'm now going to turn it over to the teacher perspective because what was great about going to this conference is when we had all our staff back and we started on a fresh foot, we were able to hit the ground running and get all of our staff to be thinking this way as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Michelle. Thank you. Um, I'm Michelle Brown, and like she said, I have had the pleasure of serving as instructional coach at Blue Jacket Flint for the past two years. This is my third year there with some amazing teachers, and we have been just in a process of evolving over the past couple of years. We kind of started with getting teachers, our grade-level teachers, on the same plan time. That was an important first step because uh, we know that we can't do it on our own, and so that was um, the district really supported us with getting teachers at those same plan times. And then last year, we were able to take it a step further with the addition of the ABCD special schedule that allowed for an extra day for our elementary teachers to have that plan time and meet together. And what I saw happen immediately was the teachers in our building really take hold of that. Just personally, they didn't even have to be told to do that. They just grabbed hold of that time and started using it in real meaningful ways and having some very good discussions about students and data 
and where we were going with these kiddos. So um, at the end of last year, we were given the opportunity to attend this conference, and we were like, you know, we've got a pretty good thing going on here, but we maybe could pick up some more stuff. So um, we headed out to St. Louis, and we really, just as a team, walked away feeling like we were empowered, like we had some tools that we could use immediately to implement into our PLC process to make it um, a much more meaningful focus time so that we're really hitting every single student and making sure we're not missing anyone in our building, that we really want every kiddo to walk away with that growth. And um, I felt like when we left um, this training that we went to, like we just had in our hands things that we could use right away. And um, before I pass it off to our teachers, I also would just like to add that as a classroom teacher over the years, being able to attend this kind of training and being able to go with these ladies, it really makes um, the educator feel like a valued part of the professional community because you don't always get that opportunity when you're in the classroom every day. And that was a great part of being able to go with them was just to experience that professional opportunity and then bring that back into the culture of our school. So thank you very much. I'm going to give you to Linda James. Well, I kind of want to echo a little bit of what both Teddy and Michelle have said. And first of all, from our team of teachers, really thank the district for allowing us to attend this amazing conference. And last spring, when they asked us if we'd be interesting or interested or able to go, I was excited and I really wanted to go, but I also honestly kind of thought, well, you know, we already kind of do PLCs, and not only that, I have this amazing team, and we get along, and we work well together, and they have my back, and I have theirs. But after attending the conference, it was definitely clear that PLCs were a lot more than that. And if professional learning communities are implemented in the correct way, that they can be incredibly impacted, impactive for our students. Um, so one of the most significant parts to me revolved around the first question of what we expect our students to learn. And as we've said tonight, and they said at the conference, I think all of our core beliefs are that all students can learn, and that all students are entitled to the same education, the same instruction, and the same standards, no matter what they come to us with. Um, but as a teacher, again, that can kind of feel overwhelming at times, because we have so much to cover, so much material, so many standards that we're responsible for. So a lot of the sessions that we attended um, revolved around or addressed the issue of really getting in there and unpacking the standards and narrowing them down to their most essential elements. And by narrowing the focus of our teaching into smaller steps, then we're able to really zero in on the exact skills our students need in order to master those bigger standards that we're required to teach. And one of the quotes that stuck with me is um, that they mentioned a couple of times is that the more focused our teaching is, the more focused the students' learning will become. So I think as our PLC team, we kind of took that as a starting place when we worked this summer, and we got together and we really started to unpack our fourth grade standards. And we started off with our reading language arts and got together and spent quite a significant amount of time really looking at them and thinking, okay, what is it exactly we need our students, all of our students, to be able to do? And so after a lot of discussion and some debate, I think we finally agreed and we kind of mapped out our first 15 days. So it was just a start, but we definitely feel like now we have the tools, thanks to the conference, to keep going. And um, I think we've all heard and believe that teaching is both an art and a science. And I think teachers do a pretty good job of the art, you know, designing lessons that are meaningful. But I think what the conference did for me is to help me maybe focus a little bit more on that science 
so that my teaching every day is more intentional, more focused, and really targeted at the student's success. Hi, I'm Jennifer Wolf. I'm part of the fourth grade team at Blue Jacket Flint. And kind of to extend on Linda's question that she sort of answered of how, what do we want them to learn is how are we going to know if they've learned it. And at the conference, we talked a lot about common assessments. So prior to our teaching and our intentional um, learning goals that we are going to set forth, we will have a common assessment across the grade level to cover the core like objective that we are wanting all students to learn. Um, the, we can touch on the other things, but we have this core objective we want all of them to learn. So we would come up that with a with that prior to teaching, and it would kind of guide our intentional teaching for the day. And then at the end, we would all take that common assessment. And after that common assessment, we would have the data we would need to differentiate either if we need to, like reteach or enrich. So we would have that across the board. And we also, at the conference, we learned about, about taking responsibility for all of our students, like the whole grade level, not just your own. So you kind of take responsibility for every single student, well, in the building, but especially in your grade level. So I'll pass that to Larry. And I'm Larry Walters, and I'm the third member of this team. And um, I'd like to thank you, too. We had such a, a good time, and we learned so many things, and especially those of us who maybe are at the Towards the end of our career, it's always revigorating to get in there and, you know, get some more things and excite us for that. Um, so once we have zoned in on our learning targets and we have that intentional instruction and we've given them the common assessment and we know exactly what we want them to know, we still come back with that data and now we're going to analyze it. And I thought that was the thing in the conference that really helped me because I'm not sure that before I was really digging into those, you know, how do, I, how do I do that? I know what I want them to know. I know I taught it. Why is this data not going the way I, I had it hoped? Um, and before PLCs, teaching can be an isolating type of profession. And, you know, you're in your classroom, and many times I had to resolve the last two questions on my own. And those are, how will I respond when the students haven't learned? And how will I respond if they have? And frankly, it is difficult as a single instructor to meet those diverse needs in your classroom effectively. But with a PLC team, we are able to systematically create a process where we are exposing all of our students to the grade level standards. We're able to give them that access. We're able to find that support. We're able to give them that time they need to understand and learn those um, standards that we have said are so important. We're also able together as a team to develop, here's this group of kids that already knows this. Now we're going to be able to stretch them beyond those essential grade level curriculum and be able to help them continue to show progress but beyond on their own particular level. Um, as a PLC team, we come together and we're sharing activities and ideas and strategies. We you know, can play things off of each other. 
we can draw on each other's expertise. You know, we don't have that ownership that this is my class and I'm embarrassed that they didn't quite get what I thought. But now we can say, hey, they're all of our kids. What can you tell me? How can I reach them? Um, so it's just been empowering. We're able to sit down as a group and I not only get to collaborate with my colleagues, but I also get to pull in the expertise of the reading specialist, the math specialist, our instructional coach. And some schools have that innovation specialist, and Mr. Shackelford's going to share with Rising Star how they're doing that. First of all, I want to say thank you. My name is Rob Shackelford. I'm an innovation specialist at Rising Star. When I caught wind of Blue Jacket Flint was giving this presentation, I said, there's no way you guys are leaving me out. So I snuck my way right in. So I, I want to share with you guys a little bit about what the innovation specialist role is and can be. It's a new role. Um, but before I do that, I want to share a little bit about uh, how passionate I am about PLCs. Um, I'm actually a career switcher, um, changer. I, I used to work in the human services for a long time. When I worked in the human services, we always had meetings that brought people together at a human level. Uh, and that human level focused on, on trust, it focused on connectedness, and that really is the essential piece of a PLC. So I see the role of an innovation specialist, obviously, to, to get into the nitty gritty and guide through the data, the MTSS, the SIP process but also to focus on how to build that collaborative culture, how to build that trust. So I see myself as uh, a very important part of that role. Uh, I always like the saying, slow is fast, fast is slow. And that really does matter for PLCs. Secondly, um, I want to emphasize that intervention is, can be many things. The, the first and best intervention is to build a relationship with a child, to engage that child, to ignite a love for learning for that child. So that, that is number one when I think about invention or interventions, and that's part of my role as well. I want to uh, support and guide the teachers through the PLC process. Um, that means that from the early stages, uh, I like the, the saying they had at the PLC conference, moving from collaboration to collaboration. That's the early stage where you get together and you're just, you know, you're sharing what you did last night. And, but we want to get to that very high level of a PLC. We want to get to that reflective level of PLC, and there's many stages in between that, and it's okay wherever you're at in that PLC process. Keeping a keen focus on the four PLC questions, and obviously they did a wonderful job of sharing that information with you. Um, supporting a, a consistent connection to the characteristics of a PLC, and there's a lot there, but just to touch on that, it's inquiry-based, it's reflective, uh, it's action research, it's all of those things that really do make our craft uh, what it is when we really focus on it. Uh, lastly, and, and a, a really big part, is to, as an advocate uh, for teachers and for students through the MTSS and SIP process, uh, helping them understand the power of data and evidence as well, not just data, but evidence, and how to use that to guide our instruction and help our kids grow. So lastly, I just want to say thank you again. And I want to reiterate how powerful the PLC conference was for myself and I think all of us that came today. Um, it really is not just another thing. PLCs are a way we do business. And I think that's really important to think about. It's not one more thing on the plate, but it really is kind of the plate. So thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Do you all have any questions for them? Ms. Matt. 
Um, Mr. Shackelford, yeah. before you sit down, just real quick. Since you're an innovative specialist, are you in one particular PLC, or do you go to several different ones? Uh, that's a good question. So last year, I tried to go to all, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty slow moving, so that wasn't possible. But in reality, that's not possible. So today, what I do is I, I attend just the four, five, and six PLCs, and I have two other innovation specialists that I work closely with and an instructional coach that I work closely with. So we work as a team together to problem solve, but we're able to just zone in on specific grade levels, which really helps us focus on helping that set of teachers and students. Thank you. And then, Dr. Hubbard, so PLCs at the primary level are grade level PLCs, and what are they at the secondary level? So I would tell you that it's a variety of things. They are grade level PLCs, but then we have other buildings that are doing vertical looping, so they might be a second, third, and fourth grade math team. Or they might be, they look, they can look so many different ways. A PLC can be a SIT team, it can be a data collection team. So it really can be many, many things. And it is many different things in every building. Same for middle and high. You may have, um, out, we have three middle schools teaming this year. So there'll be a math, science, social studies, language arts teacher um, teaming with the same group of kids. So it might be that PLC where next Tuesday when we meet, it might be just math teachers. Same thing for high school. We have grade-level PLCs. We have department-level PLCs. So it, it really, we have Blue Eagle PLCs, mm -hmm. Signature Program PLCs. So, and then in addition, we're using WebEx district-wide um, so that, so maybe the Spanish teachers that, I think I saw Linda Seat come in, but like maybe any, we might only have one teacher at a building that teaches Spanish five. So those five high school teachers can now collaborate via WebEx and not have to travel to different buildings. So they operate as their own PLC. So it really, it can be and is many different things. Just as a follow-up question, it seems, I mean, you all have really bonded. I mean, I'm glad that you all got to go away um, and experience the training. Is it important to keep to stay in the basic same PLC year after year? Not necessarily, no. I think it, there's actually power in um, having different PLCs. Thank you. Ms. Neighbor. Thank you. Um, you know, over the years, uh, <clears throat> my kids attended uh, Blue Jacket. Uh, before it was Blue Jacket Flint, and had Mrs. James. So I have watched her <laughs> grow and to see the excitement with her tonight. And I think that you would see excitement in, I th think we had 10 teams go this summer. Um, you're seeing the same excitement through all of those teams. And those teams are now collaborating with different buildings that they had never connected with because they were there with it as well. And she came from teaching family, Merlin Gish from Shawnee Mission North. <laughs> so I'm assuming then when you got back, then you met with the, the entire building. Then describe that. How, how, what, did, what did you all do to spread the word and spread your knowledge? Um, yeah, when we got back, uh, one of the first, you know, we had the professional days at the beginning of the year, and we sat down, and we discussed with our faculty exactly what we had experienced and how wonderful it was. And one of the breakout sessions that we all attended was a 15-day challenge 
because it can be overwhelming when you get back from these conferences and think, yeah, that was great. But when you get into your building, it's somewhat overwhelming. So we thought, you know, 15-day challenge, we can do this. And that's what we did this summer. And so that's how we presented it to our faculty, that, you know, 15 days, we can all do this, and we're going to kind of work with it together. And um, just last night, one of the third grade teachers came up and was asking us, you know, about the common assessment. And we know that second grade has already taken on the challenge. So, yeah, we've, we've you know, given them the challenge, and then we made sure that they understand we're working on this together. We are by no means experts, but this was a great thing, and, and we think our building could benefit from it. Thank you. Other questions? Mr. Stratton. When you were attending the conference, were there other groups from the Kansas area? And if so, can we beg, borrow, and steal any of their great ideas? Anything else around the region, really, that we could bring back that you thought, wouldn't that be great if we could do that in Shawnee Mission? Not positive if I can answer that, but it was amazing to me when we got there that I expected this to just be a little conference kind of local, you know, it was in St. Louis, and there were people from Alaska, there were people from California, it was immense, and I think that was part of the excitement was that all these teachers were there in the summer. You know, I personally didn't meet anybody from the area, but I wouldn't be surprised if we could contact them, you know, even if they were from Alaska, and, and uh, share ideas, thanks to technology now, but... <laughs> Any other questions? Well, thank you very much for a wonderful presentation, and thank you for what you're doing. Just a final thought real quick. Um, you heard a lot about PLC from process to sharing with colleagues to really empowering um, these teachers as well as many that we sent this summer. That is one of the main goals of the leadership and learning team this year is to really support buildings in moving this process forward to increase student achievement ultimately. And then secondly, and, and I didn't coach them at all to say this, so I'm really glad that you brought up the common assessment. I mean, you heard common assessment five or six times in this conversation. And that is one of our other main goals in the leadership and learning um, team this year is to really solidify a solid common assessment platform for the district. Because right now, we have a lot of teams that are building them. We have a lot of instructional resources that have common assess assessments already built in. However, we don't have a great way to collect that data and look at student achievement through the data. So I'm guessing they would all probably do a cheer to know that there is a platform coming that would make it easy to collect and easy to analyze data um, as they build and collect it um, internally in their buildings. So just a little plug for later to come. But thank you, ladies, and Rob, for joining us, and thank you all. Thank you. Dr. Southwick, I think we have another presentation, don't we? We, we do. I think Dr. Atha is here and has a couple of remarks to make, and then we've got some visitors. It's uh, one of our new partners. It's an old partner that is a new partner in the district, and uh, they have a few words to say, too. But Dr. Atha? Good evening. Good evening. Before uh, DSBUS uh, presents their progress report, I'd like to share with you uh, Four examples where DSBUS has demonstrated that they desire to be a good partner with the district in our community. One of the first days on the job, DSBUS presented a very generous donation 
to the Shawnee Mission Education Foundation with the intent of supporting our students, teachers, and our community. They plan on financially supporting the foundation each and every year of our partnership. You will learn that DS Bus, the owner, his son, who is also uh, the CEO and president, uh, lives in this community and has always lived in this community. They're a part of this community. And I, I think that will really make a difference. I think it already has made a difference in, in the services that they will provide to our kids and our families. Secondly, on the morning of August 2nd, the first day of the New Teachers Academy, DS Bus welcomed our new teachers by, by providing five air-conditioned coach buses that picked up our new teachers from each of our five high schools, provided a tour of their feeder pattern schools, and delivered them to our Center of Academic Achievement for a day of orientation and professional development. At the conclusion of the day, they delivered them back to the high school where they could get in their cars and go home. The service was not expected by the district, but it was greatly appreciated. Still another example, during the first two weeks of school, DS Bus implemented what I thought was a very unique strategy to minimize student pickup errors. They positioned 12 buses throughout the district on call. Those buses did not have routes to run. They were setting strategically located in our district, ready to support the drivers and our kids. If a student was late to a bus stop or a driver missed a stop and transportation was called, one of the 12 buses would be dispatched to the location to pick up and deliver the student to school. This provided to be, this, you know, uh, proved to be a great strategy that helped both students and drivers acclimate to the start of school. Again, this wasn't expected of the district. This was a strategy they had in order to try to ensure quality customer service to our kids, of which that is what we expect. Lastly, I think all of you know, about a week and a half ago, uh, Trailwood Elementary had a a little plumbing emergency <laughs> that resulted in the need for the students to be transported to Indian Woods Middle School for the remainder of their school day. Keep in mind that was the first day of school for our kindergartners. Unbelievable. Things happen on a first day of school that's memorable for those little guys. <laughs> Within 20 minutes of notification, DS Bus had 11 buses at Trailwood on a circle drive ready to transport students. Greg Lawrence, the principal, and his teachers did a marvelous job in working in tandem with parents in picking up their kids from school and taking them home and loading buses. It was a well-organized event, one we wished we didn't have to do, but it was one I witnessed 
And it was kind of fun because some of the kiddos, particularly the kindergartners, it was the first time they'd ever ridden a bus. <laughs> For some of them, it may be the last time. <laughs> but they were excited and their eyes were about that big when they got on, got on the bus. It was worth the ticket I paid to watch that experience. Um, but a job well done at Trailwood. Our families, to our, hats off to the principal, our families, and DS Bus for providing the transportation to our kids. I look forward to providing you with many more examples uh, about DS Bus and the quality service that, uh, that they will provide our kids in the future. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you Scott Kincaid, who's president and CEO of DS Bus, who will give a progress report regarding student transportation services and kind of let you know where they are at this point. Please note, they will be back in January with another progress report. And finally, they'll be back at the end of school with a final report. Mr. Kincaid. As we're, as we're logging in, I don't know if this is working or not. So Scott Kincaid with uh, PS Bus, uh, member of the Kincaid Group. Thank you for having us tonight. Log in for me now. We are, as we load our presentation, we are very proud to be here and uh, honored to share with complete transparency our successes, our failures, opportunities for improvement as we start the school year with Shawnee Mission School District. Uh, a little bit of myself uh, while we're still loading here. Um, happily married, five kids. Uh, my wife's an ex-teacher. Uh, she's a stay-at-home mom now, and I will tell you she's uh, better at her job than I am my, my own job, so that, that, that's a good thing. So teaching transportation, um, we're getting closer, is, uh, is near and dear to our heart. Put this down. A little bit more about myself and uh, us, second generation bus. Uh, we just celebrated our 50th year in the transportation industry. Uh, our founder, Don Kincaid, uh, my father, friend, uh, business partner, all the above, is, is here tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I've been doing this all my life. Had my first job down at Merriam, as in the body shop. And uh, it's, it's uh, near and dear for us to be here tonight. Uh, Shawnee Mission School District history, uh, went to Prairie Elementary, Old Mission, Westwood View, uh, that's three elementaries, uh, I did not get kicked out, went to Prairie Elementary, we had a fire, I think some of you may remember that, moved to Old Mission, and then we moved ourselves as a family and got transferred to Westwood View, uh, Indian Hills Middle School, and graduated from Bishop Meage High School. Uh, a little bit about who we are as a group, uh, DS Bus and the Kincaid Group are growing businesses. We're about a 1,000 employees here uh, by the end of this year. Uh, close to 70% of those employees are in the greater Kansas City area. Uh, we are family-owned and operated. Uh, as Dr. Aitha stated, uh, my, my specific title is CEO of the Kincaid Group, President of DS Bus, and uh, we're members of the community. Uh, as stated, uh, I grew up in Shawnee Mission School District as well as the rest of my family, and. Uh, 
Again, very happy to be here. So why do we do this? This is, this is an easy one for me. The kids. Here's a picture of my five kids. And uh, my wife and I came home from date night this summer, and they got into the uh, uh, Halloween box. And a very precious moment for me. Uh, but it's, it's exactly why we're here today. How we take care and transport the kids of Shawnee Mission School District is the same way that I would transport my kids. And brings us to our slogan and our motto. We proudly transport the world's most precious commodity, your children. Now, this is just not our slogan and motto of today. This, is, this has some history to it. And I went into a box, and I found a picture. And this, I think this is the late 70s. Don't know for sure. But this is the exact same Marion building that we're operating out of today. We're at my first job. This is where we service uh, the school buses. Uh, the body shop is there on the, uh, the far east side. And uh, as I dug in that box, I did find another picture. And this is why we were providing transportation in the, in the early 80s. It looks to be 1983-84. Uh, Shawnee Mission East High School looks like cheerleaders. There's probably parents or grandparents there in the picture now, that are kids that are students that are riding the bus here today. I did notice the number that's on that bus is the same number that we operate out of today. I thought that was kind of unique. And within that box, at the bottom, I did find this picture, going back to the uh, kind of who we are, and this is kind of what we uh, were used to doing. That is, uh, the gentleman in the tie there is, is my father, Don, 30 years ago. I'm probably five years old in the, in the pink shirt there, striped pants. Uh, but those are, that's the family, and that's just, again, who we are. Um, I digressed, I apologize, but I couldn't resist sharing that as I went through that box. Uh, on February 27th, the Board of Education unanimously approved DS Bus um, for transportation services for the Shawnee Mission School District. The Board desired change, and so did the community, through, for improved services. We were awarded the bid 1% high bid. I think that's important to highlight because we have not forgotten that. We have today, and we're going to continue to do it, is add value to our services provided. We're going to exceed expectations over the, co the course of the contract. And some of that today, just so I could show that off to you guys, we've delivered 226 mostly new buses. And I'm going to say 90 plus percent. That's impressive. That 1% was close to $600,000. A brand new bus today costs over $80,000. 10 buses makes up for that. We delivered 226. <laughs> Experience management, we searched the Midwest for the most experienced management within the transportation industry. We almost doubled what was in there by the previous provider. Routing, I think this is key to highlight. We hand routed the entire school district prior to the school start. Electronics are great. You can get on your phone and GPS from here to Shawnee Mission South, but it takes someone who's lived in the district at 8 o'clock in the morning with construction to know how long it's going to take to get from Merriam, Kansas to Shawnee Mission South. And oh, by the way, that's one stop of four for that bus. So if you're late to get there, you're going to be late three more times. I think that's very important, and we spent lots of time and effort. We had six people personally getting in there on a map and, and routing out every school bus stop. So preparing for school start, I want to highlight some of our successes, some key accomplishments, 
Again, manually routed all school bus stops. The logistics of delivering 226 new buses with shared facilities with the previous provider. Um, we shared facilities, unknown to maybe most people here, up until the end of July. School started August 11th. We had less than two weeks to take our vehicles, our people, and place everything that we needed to do to successfully start school. 100% on Kansas Highway Patrol inspection, every bus has multiple checkpoints. We received 100% on 226 buses. That hasn't happened since the late 90s, and that was us with school service and leasing. Hired over 300 drivers and employees in less than 90 days. With the current economy and with uh, the state of shortage within drivers, that's very impressive. Probably the most important and the most point, the, the, the biggest point that I am proud of with getting school start is a change of culture and morale within our organization down there in Merriam. And not so much our organization, but the relationship between the transportation provider and the school district. The relationship between the transportation provider and the drivers. The relationship between the transportation provider and the parents. We're not perfect. I'm not here to say that we're, here, we're perfect here today, but a lot's changed. And you go down there and you can see the pictures of the people here that are DS bus employees serving the Shawnee Mission School District, and you can talk to them. Change has happened. Number one, and first and foremost, we live by the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, and in one word, respect. We have a banner down there that's close to 15 feet wide by four feet tall that says respect, and we mean it. We've improved transportation facilities, improved customer service through our additional um, administration to help take those phone calls and work with the parents. And while we're here tonight, we want complete transparency. Uh, at the February board meeting, I was shocked to find out personally as we started our driver meetings and introduced ourselves to uh, a lot of the previous transportation providers, uh, drivers, they were shocked to hear the disappointment and the lack of performance. They want to do a good job. They need the information, and they need to be empowered to do more. And that's something that we're going to do. And as Dr. Atha stated, we're going to come back and share in January and at the end of the year to let you know if we're being successful, if we have opportunities for improvement, or if the board has questions, we look forward to receiving those questions. And, and look in the mirror and say, you know what, we can do better. Or turn around and say, through this partnership, we can do better together. I think that's very important. So this is a visual. Um, school started August 11, 2017. And on the left, uh, the, the bar in the middle, the blue line, is our performance this year. On the left-hand side, our performance this year would have been good. If not borderline, great. On the right-hand side, you have our standards. And again, through transparency, it was average for us. We can do better, and we can do better together. Our goal of 2018, August of 2018, is to raise that bar through additional information, to have more than two weeks to move in, to have more than 90 days to work, train, and uh, implement an entirely new staff, 
to say that, you know what, we had an excellent school start. We're going to do that. But we're going to have a whole year of additional knowledge, a whole year of getting to know each other, and a whole year of, you know what, we can do better. What I'd like to do this time is introduce Dale Bone. Dale is the VP of uh, DS Bus Lines. Dale is directly responsible for our great start, according to previous standards. And he's going to be directly responsible for our excellent start next school year. Dale's been with us for over 35 years. He's not only a personal friend, but a mentor to me on the operations, and probably the best in the industry when it comes to serving school districts for school bus transportation. Mr. Bone, it's all yours. Thanks, Scott. Good evening. Scott said, my name is Dale Bone, I'm Vice President of DS Bus Lines. Um, I'm married. I'll be married 30 years next month. I have one child, uh, daughter Ashley. She is uh, 26 years old, and she's a nurse at uh, Truman Medical today. Um, as Scott said, I've been with the Kincaid family for a little over 35 years. I've been, with, uh, been involved with Don. I knew Scott when he was still in diapers. He doesn't like when I say that, but I like it. Uh, and Scott is, Scott is right. Scott and I are in, in the family. We're good friends. We're good partners. We work hard together. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed every, every year that I've been with, with the family and the group. Um, most of my career in 35 years has been in the school bus industry. Um, when Don sold the business in 2000, uh, I came back to Kansas City with working with Don and some of the other uh, entities that the, um, the Kincaid group was involved and uh, until we started uh, DS Bus Lines back in 2011. That's when I started taking over the DS Bus Lines and today we, we have currently eight locations throughout the United States. Um, you know, most, of, most of the things that, uh, like Scott says, I do is, is uh, we, we continue to grow our business and and I really look forward to Shawnee Mission. I worked in Shawnee Mission School District in the mid-90s during the school services days. Uh, actually ran a Shawnee Mission location for uh, three years. So I do have a little bit of experience there. Um, I'd like to really thank the school district. Uh, back in May, uh, when we started this process, uh, we had an opportunity and the school district gave us a facility in the Broadmoor schools. We officed there for the, for the entire month of May. Um, and the, the staff, I can't say any more than the staff at Broadmoor, Nancy, Michelle, and Diane, they're fantastic people. They helped us uh, anything we needed. They were there for us, and I can't say any more about them. They're, they're just really great people. Uh, we continue to talk to them. Uh, I won't say a daily basis, but we, we continue to talk to them and, and really appreciate their help, and, and uh, they still offer support for us. Um, you know, throughout this process, as Scott said, you know, we have many great challenges. And, you know, one of the greatest challenges was our facility. We had, as Scott said, we had less than 10 days to move into our facility once first student moved out and um, still continue to be prepared for the start of the school year. So it took a lot of great staff um, to, to, to get this accomplished. Uh, I don't think there's many people or staffs that could do this in a short period of time. I mean, when you talk about bringing buses in, uh, getting the offices set up to, to our standards or the way we do things, uh, get the drivers ready to go, orientation meetings with the drivers, having the drivers trained in time, 
uh, in a very short period of time. Uh, it's just remarkable, the staff that I think we put together to accomplish that feat. Um, you know, another note is, is, you know, with Nancy at Brelmore School, she gave us the opportunity to use the facility for our driver's meetings. When we first moved in to, to talk to drivers, to start that process of uh, hiring them, um, they gave us that, that, that uh, meeting room to do that. I want to introduce some of our key personnel staff uh, and a little bit about them. Uh, Scott Miller is, is one, of our, one of our general managers. As Scott said, we, we've hired, uh, we currently have 20 people on staff between our driver, or not our drivers, our management staff, our dispatchers, our routers, our safety and training personnel, and our mechanics, our technicians. Scott is, is one of our, our main managers. Um, Scott is actually from Iowa City, Iowa. He has uh, over 10 years' experience in the school bus business. Uh, another key manager to us is Sean Burns. Sean is locally here in Kansas City. Uh, he has a little over five years' experience in the school bus business. And Kayla Miller. Uh, Kayla Miller is also from Iowa City, Iowa. And yes, that is Scott's husband. And uh, Kayla is our director of safety and training. Uh, Kayla and her staff did a fantastic job of to, you know, putting the process together of hiring drivers, uh, make sure that each driver was, was taken out on a road test, minimum an hour and a half. And if you look at 250 drivers to, to do that in less than two months, uh, you know, they work seven days a week to make sure we're ready to go. So all three of these, gen three, all three of these people did great jobs to, and are a big key part to, to the where we're at today. Um, more key personnel for us, Francis Bustle. Francis has been with the uh, Kincaid Group since 1974. She started with Don when uh, Don started school services. Francis was in charge of doing all of our routing. Um, as Scott said, we had six routers, and uh, there she was in charge of routing. Uh, all those six routers, she was in charge of them. Uh, like Scott said, we routed over 880 routes in less than 90 days by hand. And technology today uh, is great to have, but to have that local knowledge like Francis has and the other routers um, does wonders. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to make sure you have the correct stops. Um, nothing is perfect coming out of the box. I mean, we're still working. Again, we're still working diligently on fine-tuning a lot of our routes, um, but it, it helps make things go on time. Uh, most of our most of our routes the first week of school were on time. Um, we st we're still getting currently we're getting phone calls uh, to continue, you know, fixing stops. There's, there's continuous additions to the routes, and what a lot of people don't understand is one student one change could change a whole school of we having to reroute the whole school. So it takes a lot of time to do it, and currently we're doing everything by hand. Um, we feel. From our past experience, that's the, that was the best way to, to accomplish this. We knew it was going to take a lot of time to do it. But, again, we had a lot of staff that was willing to do that. Here's a couple of pics of our drivers. You know, we were, we were fortunate to, um, as Scott says, a lot of the, lot of the drivers from, from first student wanted to come over. They wanted to change. We retained over 85% of the drivers which was important. 
because a lot of those drivers know those kids. And a lot of them want to keep the same routes. Now, none of the routes were exactly the same, but they're very similar uh, to a point. Um, we have, we have uh, spent a lot of time with the, with the drivers uh, to make sure that uh, they knew their routes. We required the drivers to, to uh, do two dry runs, and one of the two was an actual dry run like it was a regular school day. Came in, you know, 5, 30, 6 o'clock in the morning, and they also came back again at 2 o'clock. And they ran it like it was a regular school day. And it was important to us because that tells us a lot, the traffic pattern at that time. It's easier to run a route at 12 o'clock or noon or 1 o'clock. But, you know, rush hour traffic, you know, people going to work, people come home from work, it's important that they understood it. And that gave them the opportunity to tell us, hey, we need to change these times or, or adjust them. So that, that also helped in the success that we believe uh, that we had uh, to start the school year. Um, we were able to retain four of the, uh, the mechanics, the technicians that, um, that worked for first student. Why is that important? Uh, it's really important for the fact that if, if we'd happen to have a breakdown, they know where it's at. They can respond quickly, and that's really important. As Scott said, you know, 90% of our fleet is brand new. It doesn't matter if it's brand new. You always can have problems. Today's school buses, a lot of it is electronics. So there's a lot more electrical problems. Some of the, some of the things we're going to continue working on. Uh, we're going to continue to cross-train our staff members. Um, a lot of our staff members that we hired, we hired uh, because they were, they were special in, in a certain area in our industry. But we're going to cross-train them. All of our staff will, will know how to dispatch. They'll know how to route. They'll know how to, um, to, to train employees if they need to. We will continue... Uh, we'll continue our driver training program. Every month we have a safety meeting, and during our safety meetings we talk about the things that that we may have, we may struggle in, we may have problems in, or or we'll 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 continue training with new uh, techniques that are out there. Scott said uh, some of our challenges with uh, sharing a facility. Um, we have a standard that is, I think, different than most people in our industry, and our standard is. Bus driver, it's important for the bus driver to feel that they're important to come to work. Most drivers work minimum four to five hours a day. And when they walk in the facility and see it's a nice, clean facility, it makes them feel good. And when they do that, they're going to get on the bus and have a positive attitude. So we spent a lot of time improving our parking lot. Uh, if you've ever been down to that facility, the parking lot is a, just a total disaster. Um, We'll continue, we're going to continue improving the things. As Scott said, we had 10 days. We, can't, we couldn't fix everything in 10 days. Um, like I said, our staff has worked really hard. Um, we'll continue on the time and logistics to improve time. Um, we want to make sure kids get to school on time and have enough time to get to their lockers, get to, so they're not having to rush you know, to get to their class as well. Some of the things we're going to we're going to continue work, we're going to work on in the future is route changes um, and inf information dissemination. Um, how we're going to how we can get information out. Um, we have some ideas that, that we're going to share with Dr. Atha and, and Bruce Maples. One of the things I want to I'm going to cut off here real quick is, you know, Bruce Maples, um, who works with us and works for the school district, has been great to work with. Bruce has been very helpful and into where we're at today. 
uh, providing us information that we need. If we don't have it, he gets it to us uh, on, a, on a timely basis. I mean, we talk to Bruce, and Bruce comes down to our office almost daily. Uh, he's a great, great individual to work with. Um, we're going to continue to improve uh, notification route assignments beginning of the school year. Um, was it perfect this year? It was not. With the short time frame and, and routing like we did, um, our notifications to the schools were pretty tight. Uh, and you know, did we get phone calls from parents? We did. We got a lot of phone calls. But we continue to fight through that. Um, phone calls are dying every day. So they're getting smaller and smaller. Thank goodness. Uh, one of the biggest things here in China Mission is parent pay. Um, we had, we've had lines of people lining out our door to, to be able to get their students on the bus through the parent pay system. One of the things we're going we're gonna to work on for, to get in process or in, implemented before next school year is that they can go online and they can sign up online and pay for it online. They'll help the parents and at that time, hopefully we'll have, they'll be able to see their, you know, look up their student's name and be able to see their, you know, the bus stop and the bus number. Some of our visions as a, as a partner, as, as Scott said, we're, doing, we're, gonna, we're gonna come in December and, or January and at the end of the school year to do a follow-up presentation to the board. Um, I think our vision is, is gonna, we believe will be exciting when we come back again um, we have a lot of things in, that we think will, will be very beneficial to, to the school district. Communication, of course, is, is always ongoing. Um, again, the communication we have today with, with the school district and Bruce is fantastic. Uh, the schools have been fantastic with us. Um, the, the principals have been very helpful. Uh, and, and again, we look forward to continue with that relationship and partnership to help improve, improve uh, their services and, and improve um, what we do. Um, report of measurable areas of success, KPIs is key, key uh, performance indicators. Some of the things, as Scott said, the drivers were disappointed when they started hearing about the things that, that, um, that came out in the, in the board meeting in February. We're going to hold meetings once a month, and we're going to talk about the things we're doing. Guys, we've been late this many times. Why? You know, our accident ratio. Um, and we're going to have those posted in our driver's room. Um, we're hopefully in the next week or two, we'll, we'll, we'll complete our, our driver room setup. They'll have keyboards that will give statistics to the drivers. So they'll be part of our, I mean, they're, they're a key part of our family. Um, you know, they're the front line of our family. All of our staff that, that does you know work in the back, you know they're the ones that are picking up the students. They're the ones that are going to make the difference to the students, you know, at the beginning of the day by saying good morning to them or good evening, have a great night. And we expect that of our drivers. And to expect that, they've got to know what's going on. They got to, they need to know how they're performing, um, not just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but as a group. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have those things that they can see and they can they'll know how they're being measured. We're going to share with them, you know, complaints, um, hopefully at a minimal, from from parents or, or schools, as well as the compliments. We've had already many compliments from schools and parents um, of how the drivers have, you know, treated their child. Uh, we've had a couple the, the other day about from par uh, kindergarten parents. Um, 
you know, my child was scared to get in the bus, and the driver did a fantastic job to, to make the ride a lot easier. Um, we had some students the first day of school being misplaced on buses. You know, we had people on our staff uh, out on the road helping to make sure that student got, got back home safely. And as Dr. Aita said, we had, we had vehicles out in, in 12 different strategic locations to assist in that. So they got home at a decent time. Um, I've, for, for the type of startup that, as Scott said, that we consider average, the last child that got off the bus was at 5.03 uh, p.m., which I think is fantastic. For the size of, of this district, it, that was excellent. Our focus, um, Scott says, one of our focuses is continue uh, to, to continue to gain knowledge of the district. Um, you know, it's been 17 years. Things have changed. And, and working with the district and, and Bruce, we'll, we'll be able to gain not more and more knowledge to help improve, help improve the efficiency of our outing. But hopefully give suggestions to the board of how we can help the district save money. Um, that's going to be our goal going from beyond 2017 and 18 school year, is to continue to, to be an efficient operator, but also to be a great partner with the school district. Um, we're not perfect, and, and I know the district's not perfect, but our partnership will be great. Our partnership will help us be perfect, and we'll be a great partnership. I guess, anybody got any questions for us? Any questions from the board? I heard no. a lot of statistics. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, a lot of, how many riders do we have? Roughly 8,800. 8,800, okay. Yes, sir. Well, this is as good a start to the school year as I've heard in the last few years. So congratulations, and we appreciate your partnership. We look forward to it. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming, and we'll let you get out of here so you can uh, be ready to go to work at 5. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's uh, time for open forum. I think we've got three speakers tonight. I'll just, I think these are the order they were called. Um, oops, oh, that's water. Okay. Angela Ganser. We'll give you about three minutes if you need that much. Great, thank you. Good evening. Um, my name is Angela Ganser. My concerns this evening involve the boundary line changes, so my comments are not directed toward Mrs. Mack or Mr. Stratton, as they did not vote to pass uh, Plan A, nor do my comments reflect the wonderful teachers, admin, and staff we know at Benninghoven. To the rest of the board, I am disappointed. My family is relatively new to the area. We were transferred here because my husband is in the Army. We have two young boys, one of which has special needs. We moved to the Shawnee Mission School District area because we heard wonderful things about the district. 
but because of this board, we have led to believe that the things we heard were not correct. When you voted for Plan A instead of Plan B, all feeling of a neighborhood school was lost. When you required us to drive 2.7 miles to McAuliffe instead of the 1.6 to Mill Creek. You also put us in a split feeder, so our children will leave their friends at Benninghoven to make new friends at McAuliffe to then return to their peers from Benninghoven for middle school. I know you thought you fixed this problem when you said that we could choose which middle and high school we attend. However, why would we drive 5.4 miles to West High where our, our boys' classmates will attend when we can drive 1.6 to Northwest to our neighborhood school? As if those two reasons were not enough for you to vote for B, we have since learned that we cannot vote for the rep for West, which is where McAuliffe is located. We cannot vote for the person who will influence the board for our children's area. All of these problems would have been avoided if you had moved us to Mill Creek with Plan B. The interesting part of this is that Dr. Denny was the most vocal in his support for Plan A, and he is currently running for re-election in the West District. So now neither myself nor my neighbors can vote to make a change to this board, even though it is obvious to the community that it is much needed. Neither Plan A or Plan B were good plans, and the board should have started the process much earlier. But they didn't, and now my children and many others are being uprooted because the district and the board failed to spend the time or effort to get the plan right. Thank you for your time. Okay. Second speaker is uh, Stacy Hetch. We did not coordinate this. My name is Stacey Hetz. I have two children that attend Apache IS. As a resident in the West area and as a member of Education First Shawnee Mission, I wanted to make sure that the board and the administration were aware of some issues that came up during primary voting. Many residents reached out and expressed concern and dismay while they, while they lived in the West area. When they went to vote, they could not vote in the West election. We had parents from Rising Star, Benninghoven, Kristen McAuliffe, Westridge, and Shawnee Mission West all tell us that they were ineligible to vote for their West representative. We spoke to the Johnson County Election Office, who told us that although it is commonly referred to as the West seat, the boundary is not a perfect match with the Shawnee Mission West feeder area. Boundaries for the school board seats are not designed by the Election Office, but are rather are approved by the school board itself. Whether this problem stems from the boundary changes from earlier, or the fact that some elementary schools are split feeders, it is unfair that residents do not have a voice in who represents them. I implore the board to make changes necessary so that residents can have their vote counted at the ballot box this November. And Heather Owsley. Good evening. Um, this is per the email I sent earlier this afternoon. Um, I just wanted to make sure that this was on the record with regards to some of the issues that were Googleable about RNA before we made the final vote tonight. Um, I had found multiple articles from the past few years since after the selection of Dr. Henson. Um, one of the articles discussed um, a district being unhappy because a candidate had been brought forward um, with allegations uh, regarding misappropriation of funds and not paying back charges on a district credit card. Um, and the firm had told the district that the allegations were unfounded, 
but the district later found that, that it's not that they were unfounded, it's just that the candidate had agreed to reimburse the district for the money at that time. Um, in 2016, there was a candidate that was brought forward that was not actually technically qualified to be a superintendent. They had fabricated their qualifications and the screening on the candidate had not caught the fabrication on the qualifications. And then in 2017, um, just this last summer, um, there was information regarding a candidate's bankruptcy that the firm had been aware of, but due to miscommunications had not communicated to the district when they were narrowing the pool. There were incidents prior to 2014, but I focused on the ones after the selection of our most recent superintendent. Um, it seems that one of the common threads in the cases is that the full vetting, the full background check screening isn't conducted until the pool is narrowed to three. And if that full screening with regards to qualifications and background checks and criminal background checks and whether or not there's liens against the candidate, if that's done when the pool is initially narrowed to 10, then the final candidates that are brought forward for selection purposes would have all been screened and passed. Um, it looks like some of the districts or decisions based by the firm, um, they delay that to save the costs of a full screening when the pool is at the 10. And no matter who's sitting on the board next year when the decision is made, I think it's really imperative that we make sure that the final pool has been fully background checked and the board has access to the information um, that's available to find. So that is all. Oh, uh, one thing unrelated to this, um, the 2017-2018 calendar um, that's on the district website that has policies attached to it at the end of it still has the old parent-teacher conference policy attached to it, and it just needs to be updated. Thanks, guys. Okay, thank you. We don't normally respond, I think, to uh, comments in open forum, but I think that uh, for clarity, uh, we have looked at boundaries uh, over time. And uh, Mr. Knapp, can you put that slide up on the uh, screen? This is a map that uh, shows both the precinct boundaries in our district as well as the high school attendance areas. And there are some areas that are circled in red which indicate that the um, precinct in, the, uh, in one area is not within the uh, boundary of, of their high school attendance area. It's most noticeable, I think, in the boundary between north and northwest, if you look at the top of the map, there are a number of precincts that, um, where people vote for the northwest representative, but they live clearly in the west area. Uh, we are guided by statute from the Kansas legislature to, as much as possible, balance populations between the five high school attendance areas. And that balance of population is based on the most recent census, which was the 2010 census, which we got data, I think, a year or two later after they did the census, whenever it came in. That census data do not change 
uh, year to year. We have to, we're still operating on the same census, and we haven't changed high school boundaries uh, in I don't even remember when. Uh, so this map has essentially been unchanged for some number of years, and we have always had this issue, and it's a question that comes up every two years uh, in elections. Um, the election office does not permit us, or they won't agree, to split precincts. And so if you uh, go to the next smaller map, I think, uh, page down, there you go. So if you look at an area, particularly in the in, near McAuliffe, uh, uh, a rising star, you can see clearly that there's an area that's within the attendance area, uh, west attendance area, but it's you would vote for the northwest representative in that area. Um, to maintain, I think, within about 5% uh, range, we look at this, and, and there's nothing we can really do as far as moving one entire precinct one way or the other. It would throw us off further. If we move the entire uh, precinct, uh, in this case, it's, uh, I think, Ward 3, uh, 8, that would throw the West population you know, well over 8%. Um, and out of uh, what's acceptable, I think, by the state statute. So um, this has not changed, and really there's not much we can do about it until we get the next census, which is 2020. Mm -hmm. Is that every 10 years? So um, it isn't that, that people don't have representation. They, they are represented by two at-large members of the school board, and they're represented by uh, one area representative. Uh, in this case, uh, those people that live uh, north of 83rd Street on Long Lackman are represented by the Northwest Rep. And it's uh, not this year. I can vote in two years. Hmm? If, you're, if you live west of Lackman, I'm not sure where you live, but west of Lackman, you, you're in the west area and you're in the west attendance area and voting area according to this map. So uh, the statute also doesn't let us change anything uh, within 90 days of any election. So uh, we, we are where we are. And uh, anyway, I hope that answers a question if there was one. That's, that's the statute and that's what we're guided by. Thank you, Mr. Knapp. So we'll go now to G1, which is the approval of a meeting, minutes of the meeting of August 10th. Is there a motion? So moved. So Second. moved by Mr. Stratton. Second. Second by Mrs. Bisfield. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6-0. Special meeting of August 12th. So moved. Second. By Mrs. Mack. And second by Mrs. Neighbor. Mm -hmm. Discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Adopted 6-0. Adoption of the agenda. Move adoption of the agenda. By Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Second by Mrs. Bisfield. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Six. Adopted 6-0. 
We move now to approval of routine business by consent. Is there an item in the consent agenda that any board member would like to withdraw? I would move approval of routine business by consent. Second. By Mrs. Neighbor and seconded by Mrs. Mack. Mm -hmm. All those in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed, same sign. That's adopted 6 0. So we move to recommended for action, and I think the first one is P1. Dr. Southwick. Yes, earlier tonight the board um, heard a very nice presentation from our staff and Dr. Hubbard with respect to PLC. So tonight we bring to you consideration for us to continue that effort. Um, well, first, I want to say that as we work with PLCs, we don't think that's a top-down, that if these are going to be successful, it requires us to have collaborative conversations on a day-to-day -day basis with our teachers in the building. Um, and quite honestly, they have the answers for most of what we need to provide for our students. But um, you have before you tonight, and I make recommendation, to send school leaders, uh, and when I say school leaders, that's teachers and administrators, uh, more teachers than administrators to attend the Solution 3 PLC conferences um, and contract additional speakers from Solution 3 to come and address um, the school district staff and professional development. So the, the cost of this will be approximately uh, not to exceed $125,000. There'll be around 75 of our staff school leaders that will be involved and the uh, the expenditures will be paid from Title I, Title II, and District Professional Learning Funds. Move approval. By okay. Mrs. Bisfield. Second. Second by Mrs. Goodburn. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6-0. We go to R1, Dr. Southwick. Yes, I'd ask Dr. Atha to come forward. He um, is going to address R1 and R2 tonight. So thank you, Dr. Atha. Action of um, the school term. This is something that you, that you do every year. Uh, Kansas state law allows the district to adopt a policy providing for a school term consisting of school hours. For pupils attending K-12, not less than 1,116 school hours per school year. And for students attending grade 12, not less than 1,086 hours per school year. The 1,116-hour plan aligns with our professional negotiated agreement with our teachers, as well as our district calendar both of which are approved by the Board of Education. The approved school term must be presented to the Kansas State Department of Education no later than September 15th. If it's not, we automatically fall into a 186-day calendar, six hour per day, which would violate, which would violate our professional negotiated agreement and certainly would not be aligned with our district calendar. Again, uh, as I think you do know, you approve this our calendar every year. And at this time, I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. 
I'd move for approval of the 2017-2018 district calendar. Second. Oh, school term. Moved by Mrs. Mack. Or the school term plan. Is that what, that's what it's I'm saying? It's the, yes. the school term, term plan. Second by Mrs. Neighbor. Any discussion? Mr. Brown. Stratton. There was a question about how the seniors play into this. Could you speak to the hours that seniors are different? Yeah, the, the seniors, I think the hours is 1,086, and theirs is less because of the fact that um, at the end of the school year, most every school district in the state allows their seniors to, to leave early, and that allows the guidance counselors to check their transcripts, to check their credits, to make sure that they have met graduation requirements. Okay. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Passed 6 0. R2, Dr. Southwick. Yes, um, Dr. Atha also will address this. It has to do with revision of a date on our calendar for 9 through 12 parent teacher conferences. I'm asking for a, a minor revision here to the school district calendar as, uh, uh, as part of the parent-teacher conferences. In an effort to assure increased parent involvement at parent-teacher conferences this year, it is recommended that the 2017-18 district calendar be amended as follows regarding uh, these PT conferences. Grade 9 through 12 conferences be changed from Thursday, October 19 to Wednesday, October 18. And grades 9 through 12 spring conferences be changed from Thursday, February 1 to Wednesday, January 31. Finally, it is recommended that K-8 conferences remain as originally scheduled on October 19th and February 1, respectively. The rationale for asking for the high school to, to move to Wednesday as opposed to Thursday as originally scheduled is, is really twofold. We have families that have children in, in elementary, middle, and high school, so moving out the, the high school on a separate evening probably increases the chances that they will be able to attend those conferences. If this were to work, we might look at in the in the next year's district calendar of maybe moving the middle school to to a Tuesday so that you'd have a Tuesday, Wednesday, thirty, Thursday, and that would optimize uh, parent involvement and attendance. Secondly, um, I think the rationale for for asking you to consider moving the high school to Wednesday as opposed to Thursday. We have more activities, co-curricular and extracurricular activities scheduled in this district on Thursday than we do Wednesday. Now these are school activities, but at the high school there are hundreds of activities throughout, throughout the year. So that's the rationale for making the request, and I'm happy to answer any question that you may have. Okay. Ms. Neighbor? We had a previous uh, speaker have a concern about the parent-teacher conference schedule, and she asked that in open form. Does this address that? 
No, it does not. I'm going to look at the, I think she was referring to the, the second page of the calendar and the writing as it relates to uh, parent-teacher conferences. If we didn't make that change, that's an error on our part, and we'll, we'll make the appropriate correction. And I think this is, is that correct, Mrs. Owsley? All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Mr. Stratton. We talked about the flexibility for the families. Uh, would you like to comment about the pros and cons for the teachers, too, that gives them additional flexibility? Well, you know, if, if we have a game or an activity on a, when this was scheduled on Thursday, we really rely on our teaching staff. They're, they're a part of, if we have a major football game, for instance, our teachers work at a lot of those games, and they aid in ticket-taking, they aid in supervision of the activity. It takes a lot of our personnel to, a lot of our staff, to pull off a game. And uh, on this particular Wednesday coming up, uh, as it related to the high school, uh, I believe uh, the Shawnee Mission East and West football game was scheduled on that Thursday of parent-teacher conferences. Does that answer your question, Mr. Strang? Yeah, I wanted to make sure that we want to keep it... Uh equitable between our conversation and making sure the teachers are involved in this as well as the, the parents? I, I, I think so. I think there will be more teachers available for these parent-teacher conferences to be able to meet with parents with it on Wednesday as opposed to Thursday. Thanks. Anybody else have questions? Want to entertain a motion? Move approval. Moved Second. by Mrs. Mack. Seconded by Mrs. Bisfield. May I add a caveat on there that the correction be made to the final printing if there is an error on the second page as far as conferences are concerned, just to make sure that that is addressed. That would be very helpful. If there's an error there and, and uh, if you could approve this counter contingent on me being able to approve that right. error. Yeah. Thank you. So do I have it correctly? Did, did Mrs. Mack make the motion? Or did yeah, you? Mack. Okay. All right. You clarified it. Okay. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Same sign. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Aitha. Thank you. Dr. Southwick, Section S. Yeah. Um, action Business Services. Um, to be honest, over the last several years, I don't know how far we go back, a lot of the things that, that I want to talk about in the next items are things that probably would have been on the consent agenda. But conversation with the board and, and where I am at this point in time, I think it's good that we ask for action on these items if, if to pro be able to provide for discussion if the board has questions, but also to give a picture of what it takes to run the Shawnee Mission School District with respect to these services. So um, I want to start off with S1, which is our natural gas and utilities. And I'm going to recommend uh, the approval of natural gas utilities during the 2017-18 school year for a total cost of $651,309. That's an estimate of what we believe it will take to provide gas for our buildings. And that's a big number. Um, but as we go across the district and look at the demand on those, we're asking you for, 
for that approval, and of course, the expenditure comes out of the operational funds. Okay. Move approval. Moved by Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Second by Mrs. Mack. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopt 6 0. So when I indulge you, uh, or I thank you for your indulgence for me to go through this, but I do really think it is important. Yeah. Looking at electric utilities, um, I'm going to recommend that you approve for us to spend in the neighborhood of $7,600,000 to keep the lights on in this district. <clears throat> Move approval. Second. Mrs. Bisfield, second by Mrs. Neighbor. I have a quick comment. Yes. Um, I just remember it was um, two years ago, I believe, when the legislature approved an, an increase um, for the electric utilities. And it's amazing because it went up gigantic, a gigantic amount. And that's something I, I, I'm glad you're highlighting this because these expenses do go up every single year. And that's part of our operating cost. And so um, thank you for highlighting this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6-0. Water utilities, Dr. Southwick. Yes. Um, recommend that you uh, approve us to spend $417,422, giving us the authority to keep the water on in our buildings. <laughs> We've had a lot of water around buildings yeah. um, over the last few weeks, but this keeps the water in the buildings. So moved. Second. That was moved by Ms. Neighbor, seconded by Mr. Stratton. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Chapter 6 0. S4, Dr. Next, Southwick. Next, our fuel. Um, we anticipate that we will spend somewhere in the neighborhood of fuel for our vehicles provide maintenance and services across the district to the tune of 185000 So we'd ask you for that authority tonight. So moved. <clears throat> Second. Moved by Mrs. Mack. Seconded by Mrs. Goodburn. Discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6-0. That's five. Southwick. Transportation services for homeless, and I really want to spend a little bit more time talking about this so that people in the district understand the um, situation that we have as we provide transportation for those students that are homeless or would fall under McKinney-Vinto. Um, you're being asked to provide $470,000, uh, not to exceed that amount, for us to provide transportation. And I would uh, let you know that in a lot of these cases, these are shared costs that we have with other districts. So if we have a district that becomes, um, a family that becomes homeless, all of a sudden they find themselves in the Kansas City, Kansas School District or in the DeSoto School District. We coordinate with those school districts to provide the transportation for those students to go. Likewise, if they come to us from other districts around the area, and they happen to become homeless in it within the Shawnee Mission District. We provide the not only the educational services, but the transportation services to get them to school. 
Uh, it's a big number and it's a big commitment. I would tell you, though, it's some of the most important dollars that, that we spend. Uh, not that they're all not important, but to provide a level of stability for these students and their families is extremely important. That's a big number in the Shawnee Mission School District. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one, to get your approval, but two, to give uh, some kind of indication of, of the magnitude of what the, the district and, and what the board and is, is doing to provide services to these students and families. So I'd ask that you approve $470,000 tonight to cover that expense. So moved. Second. Moved by Mrs. Mack, second by Mrs. Neighbor. Did I get that right? Yes. Any discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6-0. Finally, uh, S-6, Dr. Southwick. Yes, and this would be approval of approximately $100,000 for us to provide transportation for our special education students. Um, as we look at the number to provide that transportation, and we do work with the NS bus lines um, all across the district to provide that service, um, we anticipate that this will cover our costs. I'll remind you that um, we don't we don't buy buses and we don't um, technically own any buses mm -hmm. that that we manage ourselves. Um, these are contract costs that we have to transport our students. So, move approval. Moved by Mrs. Bisfield. Second. Second by Mrs. Neighbor. Discussion. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. <coughs> Adopted 6-0. Okay, now we come to action for the Board of Education, it's T1. Uh, we will adopt the budget, but before we do that, I think uh, Mr. Knapp is going to present some information to us. Good evening. So this, we're finally to our final step of, of, of approving our budget for 2017-18. Um, like Dr. Denny mentioned earlier, we published in the Kansas City Star on August 13th. By law, 10 days have passed, which was yesterday. You held your budget hearing tonight. Uh, so now on the agenda for your approval is the, the budget. Um, all these documents are on our website. If It's on our main page. and. At the bottom right, there's a red button for budget and finance, and it'll take you to all these documents that are out on our website. Um, so tonight's budget, um, same as what we published, it'll be $467.8 million. Um, that's about a $36 million increase over last year. The uh, mill levy uh, actually decreased uh, about 1.3 mills um, for for a patron that owned a $200,000 house, again, that'd be about $30 decrease in their taxes over a year. Um, I wanted to um, show you one other document that's in our budget book that we do internally, which is also out on the, uh, our website. Which I can there it is. Um, and you've seen this before. We've used this for many years. 
Um, we like to target in on our, we call it supportive funds, or our operating funds. So these are the funds we use to run our daily operations. Um, so if you were looking at the anticipated 17 to 18 column, right now the budget that we're asking you to approve tonight would give us a surplus of about $11.6 million. But I want to emphasize that that 11.6 is sitting there for any salary and benefit packages that we are to approve down the road. Uh, so none of our expenditures tonight that you approved include any salary increases for 1718. Um, another item that we talked about last time is we're losing $800,000 in Title I money. That money will have to be absorbed through the operating funds and it will come out of this 11.6 million. And um, if we add any additional programming for at-risk kids, it'll have to come out of this money as well. So even though it's 11.6, um, it'll probably be targeted for quite a few things here in the next month or two. Um, so saying, uh, saying that, and as I mentioned on the, uh, the 10th, we'll probably be back in the spring to ask for a republication of our budget. So state law allows school districts to do that process. Uh, so any salary increases or anything, if we're going to exceed the limits that are on this document that was published in the newspaper, we will have to come back and republish. So we'll probably see in the spring for that. Is there any questions? Any questions by the board? Mrs. Mack. Um, two questions, real mm -hmm. quick. You said our mill levy it went down 1.3, and we're still mm -hmm. the lowest in Johnson County. Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. um, the second question I had is I was reading the budget. Um, I'm really glad everybody took copies of it because this is published every year, and so um, everything is in the budget. Um, I was going down one of the uh, instructional fund categories, and I didn't understand because I, I tried to follow it through the books, and I, I couldn't. So I would just like to ask just a very brief explanation on what um, we spend, I think it's three point. Uh, almost $3.5 million on career and post-secondary education. Okay. Um, that's the old vocational fund. So the, the state renamed that from vocational fund oh, okay. to the career and post-secondary okay. education. But So the, the expenses that we code to the career and post-secondary educational fund are our funded classes for CTE or career and tech ed. So those would be uh, vocational teachers, any supplies, transportation for any vocational okay. programs would all be coded to that fund. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions for Mr. Knapp? All right. Move approval. Moved by Mrs. Bisfield. Second. Second by Mrs. Mack. Any other discussion? All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Adopted 6 0. In case you can send it to the state. All right, and now we reach uh, T2, which is approval of the superintendent search firm contract. I think it would be uh, a nice opportunity to invite uh, the representatives from Ray and Associates to come up and, and at least introduce themselves once again. I don't think everybody in the room has has met them. 
Good evening, and thank you for this opportunity this evening. I'm Brenda Dietrich. I'm the retired superintendent of the Auburn-Washburn School District outside of Topeka, Kansas, and I'll be one of the lead associates on this search. Ralph. Ralph Turan. I uh, retired about a year ago from Grandview C4 School District in Missouri, and I'm currently currently superintendent and in, uh, interim superintendent in Guadalupe uh, School District right in the middle of Kansas City, and I'm stammering a bit. I just left a board meeting a little <laughs> oh. bit ago, so I feel what you're doing. Well, I'm going to anticipate that you're going to approve our contract on this action item, and um, I would just like to thank you on behalf of Ray and Associates. We've been in business for 43 years. We do about 50 searches a year, and we're used to working com with communities and with boards who have very high expectations. So we expect you to hold our feet to the fire to do the best job we possibly can. And from our previous positions, that is not an unfamiliar uh, scenario for us. So um, after you've um, taken your action this evening, one of the first things we'd like you to do is try and find a date where we can meet with the board for about an hour or an hour and a half to begin the process where we set the timeline uh, for the search and talk about stakeholder meetings, who you would like to meet with to collect input, and then just go through some of those other pieces of the search that we need to get um, started on so we can begin the process immediately. Sure, sure. Well, I, you, as you can tell, since you've been here for the whole meeting, our community is is very interested. They have high expectations, as does the board. So um, I guess feet to the fire. <laughs> but we do appreciate it. I would, would tell the uh, uh, those assembled that uh, we received the uh, contract from Ray and Associates. It was reviewed by a board attorney. There were some... Uh, um, recommended additions to that contract, uh, and which you graciously made. And uh, so I think the contract form is, is in order. Uh, and so at this point, the business of this board is to uh, approve that uh, contract, which we have all had in our board doc. Uh, so is there a motion? Move approval. Moved by Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Second by Mr. Stratton. there any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed, same sign. Looks like you're hired. Thank you. Thank you very much. We look forward to working with you. And at what point do you think you might find a date? That we will, we, uh, we will, we're working on that. Okay. Um, so I think we'll be in touch with you pretty quick. Very good. Thank you so much. It'll all right. be a pleasure. Thank you. Now, I guess our normal uh, board financial report uh, is uh, here for our review. Anybody have any thoughts or comments on that? We just passed the budget, so. All right. Not much. So, comments from board members. His neighbor. I know there were some concerns expressed tonight about uh, voting being able to vote for your area rep. I want to tell you that this statute has been around longer than I have been on the board. Uh, I served on the advisory board for 13 years. And during that time, my children never changed schools, but that election boundary was changed. So I moved from 
Northwest Advisory Board to the North Advisory Board. So this statute has been there with those parameters all of this time. And this is not to, to negate or to take away a voting right for anyone. It is the way the statute is established. And we have a responsibility to set those areas within a 5% as close as possible 5% range. And unfortunately, it does make some changes for some and not for others. But as I said, 33 and a half years ago, I was in the same dilemma when I was changed from one advisory board to the other, but I never changed high school attendance areas. So we understand, I think all of us understand what your concern is, but at the same time, our district has 14 cities. A lot of other school districts around us have one, not 14. So when we're looking at the size that we have, the 14 cities and the way the precincts are laid out, this does not give us quite the option of a Blue Valley or an Olathe where you have one. And a lot of those people are at large, uh, elected at large. That's a huge difference, I think, right there in the dynamics of Shawnee Mission versus some of the other areas. Thank you. Ms. Mack. Um, as a legislative committee person uh, for the Shawnee Mission School District for KASB, I'm going to that meeting this Saturday. Actually, tomorrow there's a meeting in the afternoon to go over um, federal issues that could have an impact on school districts. And I'm hoping Mrs. Zila can come with me. Um, I know she has an, uh, uh, she couldn't be here tonight, but I hope she can go as well. She is um, serves on the board of director, directors for KASB. Um, on Saturday, the legislative committee uh, will meet, and um, on most of the issues, our legislative platform pretty much addresses that, so I, I, I think I know how to speak on Saturday, but there is one issue um, and uh, that, I, that I'd like any comments you would like me to take. Um, it's about um, the elections for the Board of Education and specifically um, right now about our organizational meetings that still remain in July. Um, the legislature moved all the city, as you know, the local elections in the odd years, they moved them from the spring to the fall. And um, they did not move our organizational meeting, which is still our first meeting in July. So um, if you don't mind just sharing what your thoughts are, the legislative committee is just going to discuss it. None of this will be until the end uh, in, in December when the um, state convention will be held, the first weekend in December in, in Wichita. So um, if you all wouldn't mind just giving me some ideas, um, I would appreciate it. Because that's the question that they're asking me. Um, I, the, if you don't mind just really quickly saying your ideas, because I think it's a good idea to do it here. Um, so the question for the committee is, how should KASB respond by position or process to any legislative action to change the organizational meeting for school boards in the 2018 session? Well, if you all aren't going to comment, I, I, I will. I, 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 will. I would say that most school districts would like to go back to the way it was. Because Correct. it's made it a challenge as far as budget is concerned. You bring a new school board. 
on board and the budget has been determined. So they're walking in halfway through. They have not had the chance to be a part of that budget process. Um, I think the other thing on transitioning into um, how the school year fits with what the process processes are that, that go along, um, I think most school boards or school districts found that what we had in place worked better because of their calendar year, uh, their budget year, and all of that as far as hiring teachers, contracts, everything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, this has not uh, been as kind and will not be as kind to those who are coming on board and haven't had that opportunity to be a part of the process because they come halfway through. Mm -hmm. And I think they lose some time there to to be a part of that. And those are some pretty major issues. So uh, leave the organizational meeting where it is and change the elections back to the spring is, yes. what, I'm, is what I'm hearing. That would be it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, would be my, that would be my preferred. Yeah. And then if that isn't a scenario, then move the organizational meeting to coincide with the new officers coming on board, new board members. I agree. I think at the time, if I remember rightly, there was, um, when they were having discussions up in Topeka about this, that we weren't alone in, in our um, not particularly liking of moving the elections, that it was municipalities, and um, we're also against that, but it got changed anyway. So if we could move them back to spring elections, I think the election cycle shorter, um, too. I think it's and it aligns with our school year. So. I think I would prefer uh, the initial scenario that, that uh, Brad and and, uh, and Sarah and Cindy have all described. I, I think there is. I don't, I don't think there's a high likelihood that the legislature will re re revert. Um, that said, I think there is merit in having consistent leadership in a school year. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I don't think I would favor moving the uh, organizational meeting to a January date. Even if elections stay where they are? Well, particularly if elections stay where they are. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And, and I would agree. I think we definitely know that it's better when people can come in at the right time instead of being behind the eight ball when they do come in. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, and I probably should have looked, I mean, I, I know our legislative platform says to, to, to keep these elections nonpartisan. I know right. we say that as well. But um, I really appreciate that, and I'll be spending my days in Topeka this weekend, which will be wonderful. I know a lot of you have done that already. And I did want to say hello to Repres Representative Rooker, who's in our audience tonight. Thank you for attending. Other comments? Mr. Stratton. Uh, as we embark on this process of the uh, superintendent search, I just want to remind folks that it is a public attendant process. So um, for those that have not been down this road before, I want to let you know that the, the first meeting that Brenda Dietrich had mentioned why that will be a public meeting. So just to remind you that that's part of the process and we look forward to uh, those first meetings. And for those that want to sit and observe, you are invited. Mm -hmm. Other comments? Nothing, nothing. Nothing, that's it. All right. That concludes our meeting. We are adjourned.